Welcome to Listening to Paint Tribe with Mike and Dan, a podcast about the art and hobby of miniature painting. I'm Mike, and thank you for joining us on our journey to become better, braver, and happier painters. Today's episode is solely focused on an interview with someone who is considered by many to be one of the best miniature painters in the world, and absolutely one of the most incredible teachers that you can possibly have. I can attest to that personally, as I was fortunate enough to take a full-day class of his a couple of years ago. One of the first things he said was he wanted to F with our minds. Mission accomplished. So without further ado, we're proud to present an interview with Alfonso Geraldes, also known as Banshee. Well, welcome. I'm really, really excited that you decided to come on the show with us. Uh, It's an honor. It really is. Thank you very much. It's an honor to me as well. If you could give our listeners a little bit about your hobby journey, that would be awesome. How did you start out in this crazy world of mini painting? Well, I mean, I wouldn't call it hobby anymore since a long time ago. Right. Uh, but, it, but, but it started as a hobby. Um, well, first of all, I want to apologize in case that I explained something wrong. Please, yes, you can correct me or you can introduce the right word if I don't find it because obviously it's not my mother tongue and I can find difficulties. And maybe I might ask you twice if you ask me something that I don't understand. So just to, <laughs> for the listeners, you know, uh, just to warn them, you know. Well, about the, uh, that topic, you say, uh, I think it was very natural, you know, uh, like probably most of the professionals that started in this world, that the majority of us, uh, or at least the first generation uh, that we are now, let's say, working professionally, uh, we, are, we belong all to the same generation, you know. And we started very naturally participating in all the demons at the beginning of the 2000s. We all meet each other, you know, so that, that, that's why there is a real community in Europe because it's like people like Jeremy Bonamant, uh, Alan Carrasco, Ben Comets, uh, well, Roman Lapad was a little bit later, but, you know, all, all these people belongs more or less to the Francesco Farabi, Fabrizio Russo. Um, all these people belongs more or less to the same generation. And we all met in the same shows, in the same events, because there was a moment of, explosion somehow where uh, people started where we started to create like national teams or something like this just for fun mm-hmm. uh, just for the the fun of uh, going somewhere else meeting other people speaking about the same hobby because the hobby was not as as big as it is right now um, it was big in terms of playing but it was not big in terms of creating things painting sculpting and so on so the same people with the same goals or the same ex- expectations uh, to grow, you know, uh, we met in the same contest and it was like a very natural flow where all of us, we were creating our own identity because back at this time, there were no social media, no Facebook, no, the only thing that we had, it was forums. Uh, and forums were a different way of communicating, you know, where it was not instant, not like fast food like now, you know. So you could be preparing your pieces for months and then this post was very special and was uh, somehow recorded in the mind of the viewers because, you know, it was not, uh, not as fast as now. And that allowed us somehow to grow together, but at the same time, without realizing that that was happening, uh, creating our own personal touch or styles, you know, personalities. And at some point I realized, fuck, I, I've finished my university degree. 
um, what should I do? And I started to work um, doing, um, I don't know, what is the name, like apprenticeship? Like, yeah, when, perfect. When, like training, you know, mm -hmm. when you work for no money, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and I was working like this in several companies of advertising, video games, you know, things that were slightly related with creation somehow. But it was, a, it, it was very boring. I, I felt myself uh, like in a great mood constantly and missing my, I was constantly thinking in the two most important things on life, girls and miniatures, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and somehow I, I found myself sculpting my first scratch wheel models uh, during the morning or during the night, you know, uh, after work to a point that I realized, you know what? I mean, this is what I want to do. Um, and suddenly I started to have some opportunities uh, with uh, some companies like Andrea Miniatures. And, and then I met some other people that in the future, they gave me the opportunity to participate in some other uh, important uh, projects that then they were developed to a point that they were memorable somehow, like Night Models, for example. Uh, so it was, I think it was very natural. I, I never in my life, thought that I would be a, a full-time professional miniature artist, if you can call me like this, because I, I consider myself, I mean, it's difficult to define myself because I don't paint, you know, I paint, I sculpt, I do concept art, I do art direction, I, and mainly, mainly I teach, you know. Uh, probably teaching is like the most uh, natural thing to me, but uh, creating things it's some is also something that i've been doing all my life you know since i was a kid i was drawing even playing with clay uh writing stories you know like like developing my imagination and the key i think is that when when we started and i say we because i'm talking about this generation uh somehow the the ground was starting to be ready for this but they, there were no competency. It's not like now, you know, like now a very good painter is difficult to highlight because there are plenty of good painters. Many people for several reasons that have learned probably with tutorials, classes, uh, events like Adepticon or Nova Open or Monte San Sabino, things like that, things that they didn't exist beforehand. So we found uh, like a new business upfront that somehow we confronted in different ways without being really connected. And that created the first uh, roots of this tree that now is growing somehow. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it feels like um, I'm somebody who was in the hobby a long time ago and then came back 25 years later um, mm -hmm. to a, just a completely different world. Like yeah. it, it feels like this is uh kind of the golden age of miniatures, you know what I mean? Like there's, you can't, there's hundreds of companies creating high quality things. It's not just Games Workshop or Raul Partha, those mm. original companies. So it's, yeah. a, it's a, um, during your time uh, in, in this uh, a hobby transformed into a profession, um, what are kind of the biggest things that you've seen that have changed? Um, like what, uh, like, is there any kind of anything that kind of, jumps out at you that really kind of shifted the way 
uh, miniature painting or miniature art has gone? Well, yeah, but in, in many different ways, like from the perspective of the companies, I, I have to disagree with you to a point saying that this is the golden era because I think that we are still not in that pike. Pike? Okay. Mm -hmm. Why? Because there are still not enough professionals and professional is a guy not, is not a guy that is not a guy that paint or sculpt or design really good. It's a guy that do this, but also uh, pay his taxes. <laughs> so, uh, right. Work, work full time. And, and, and more than anything else that can live decently with a, with a decent salary mm -hmm. uh, without being struggling every month. You know, this is to be a professional. Otherwise, you are earning a little bit of money. And unfortunately, I, I know a lot of people that paint fantastically well that they can only survive, you know. So I feel that there, there will not be probably more than, I'm saying, I'm guessing a number, but maybe... 30 people in the world, maybe 40 that can actually live out of this completely, you know? Right. So to me, there is still uh, a path uh, about the companies in one hand to pay what is deserved, to treat with respect the artist, which is a very deep and interesting topic. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the other hand, for the professionals to pay respect to themselves, to demand what they need, really, and to be not only competitive, everybody can be competitive, but instead of being critic with yourself, which is something that I don't see very often, you know? Because when you see a, an established business or an established industry, like illustration, for example, there are like many ranges of levels from the guy who draws digitally well and is good, could be your friend, and maybe he don't have any job, to, uh, let's say, Brom or Karl Kopinski or whoever, you know, the, the top. But there are like many different levels, many different ranges. And all these levels are somehow like established and justified. It's, it's easy to know which paths or which steps you have to overcome to get to the next level, right? Right. And it's not about the final artwork. It's about how serious you are with your job, how committed you are with the clients, the deadlines, uh, how regular is your, uh, your work, how original you are, what is your personality, you know? Uh, and this is something that we still have a big lack of it in the, in the miniature industry because it's still growing, you know? Uh, but the truth, what you, what you are saying, on the other hand, is true that there are many companies, then we, we could analyze if these companies are really surviving or if these companies are really making profit, which is not the same. Right. Because to me, a, a company has to make a profit. Otherwise, you're just wasting time, basically. <laughs> right. Um, and, but it's true that there are many good products, many great sculptors, painters, you know, it's like uh, somehow like the social media have uh, helped everybody to see what can be done yeah, and at the end there are like two three maybe five uh really important personalities on this miniature world that somehow they are pushing um ideas philosophies which is more important than the technical side by far uh philosophies ideas um 
the investigation of how to represent certain things, they are taking risk so that then the lower levels or, or let's say the, the people that don't take the risk, they can copy. It's the same that what, ha what had happened with non-metallic that mm -hmm. needed 15 years to be in completely developed. And now a good non-metallic is something done by, I don't know, a thousand people in the world, maybe 2000, I don't know, a lot of people. <laughs> but 15 years ago, it was something new. Right. So when, when people ask me, and I tell you all this long speech because yesterday I had a question by a, a follower that he was asking me like, some, somehow like why some people highlight and some others not. And he's like, because the people that are highlight, most of the times they were the first ones or they were the ones who developed something while the others are painting really well, but they're just a replica. They're a copy, you know? So I think that in, in order to call this industry established, we need to, uh, to be aware that we need to establish it from two perspectives. The first one is the financial one, business-wise. Uh, fair deals, good money, you know, like, good reward because if we're artists and we do a, a specific job we have to be paid uh, companies that are serious companies that develops their own ideas not stealing uh, ideas from the web which is the easiest way uh, <laughs> and in the other hand you know um, somehow like the, that the community understand that not being Kirill Kanaev it doesn't mean that you are shit it means that this guy is the top but then there are many multiple layers that if you want to, if you aim for working on this professionally at some point, you need to go step by step, understanding first the fundamentals and then being a little bit more complex and being more complex. And at some point, the most, most, most important thing is to develop your own personality because this is what divides the people who are recognized against the people who are just another good painter, illustrator, dancer, football player, whatever, you know what I mean? Right. And that's so, that's so important too. Cause I think like, I know at this point in, in my hobby journey, if you were to put a picture of a miniature you painted or Roman or Kirill, I could tell which one of you did it because yeah. of the, because, because of the personality. So uh, uh, it's amazing to me to see that kind of come out. You know, and I know if you're, if the piece is just exploding with emotion, I'm like, ah, oh, that's Banshee. You know, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I can tell like almost instantaneously, which is. Well, you make me smile with it. But for example, you have said a very good example because I think that the three people that you have named, including myself, we are three people that we belong to more or less the same. Uh, Roman is a little bit younger than us. Kirill and, and I, we started before, slightly before, like two, three years before. Um, but we all share a kind of like the same idea, which is we have our own identity. Obviously, when I see pieces by Kirill, I think, my God, this guy is out of this world, is an alien. Uh, what the fuck, you know? But even though I see that and I say, I understand what he does. It's not something that surprised me to the point that I don't know what is he doing, but it's so well executed and it's so well uh, how to say like chosen because some, somehow we have another big important lack here, which is that most of the people they don't control their right vocabulary, so they are saying, "Oh, Kirill is is super smooth. He is not. He's full of textures everywhere. 
if you download the picture by Kirill, you will see brushstrokes everywhere, but where he wants. And that's the key. So to me, Kirill is like the perfect um, example of how to execute uh, something in the best way and also is the developer, the technical developer of the miniature world. Is the guy that represents the advanced, how, how the um, development of materials, uh, effects, light sources, you know, the peak of the spear is him, right? While Roman is the opposite. Roman is a guy that technically is okay, but is not, is decent, but is not talking about i'm talking about the like the top painters in the world right mm -hmm. but if we can compare with um i'm gonna say with them for example with music that maybe is easier to understand roman is a guy that moves your heart without the necessity to be refined you know what i mean yeah it's like he doesn't need to be virtuose about how he plays the guitar for example no he can be doing trash metal but this moves you and you want to rock right <laughs> so, so the, this example is also very good because well roman also uh represents some other things like philosophy right, attitude right. uh artistic way of being because he is like this he is transparent he is exactly like this is one of my best friends and i know him very well uh but i am surprised sometimes that i see a piece by him and i say well technically i will criticize many things but visually, when I analyze the piece, I just can say, fuck, I love it. And I don't need to go inside. Whereas this concept of something that maybe is not technically perfectly executed can be super beautiful and super amazing and moves your heart uh, is not related with the technical aspect. It's related with creativity, originality. To me, Roman is like the concept artist of the miniature world. He's the guy that uh, go to the bathroom and pull another scene, you know, like with no effort. It's like he's constantly, his brain is so original and creative that he's constantly throwing ideas. And this is feeding the miniature world, you know, by a big amount of big production with a lot of pieces that some of them you will like them more than others. But he is basically a focus on creating ideas, creating moods, creating characters, specific environments, specific like pictures of, a, of, of movies or tales or things like that. And I love that. And me, I think that I'm something in between, technically wise, but I am loud. Uh, I speak a lot about the uh, philosophy. I, I somehow, uh, I don't know, de de devices, like um, go against the system somehow. <laughs> like right. I, I, I constantly try to... Um, to challenge the people to to think and maybe they will not be agreed with my with my thoughts but i think that my position is more about teaching exploring being expressive indeed in my paintings you can you can see that i am very exaggerated you know but it's part of my personality so at the end when you summarize uh like the definition of each one you will see that each one is completely represented by his personality and this is the key. If you are really good at something, uh, it's not enough. You need to be quite unique. You need to be, you need to have a very personal personality. If, if that makes sense. It does, no, I, I, absolutely. But I wanna, you kind of led into a little bit there. Um, 
I think one of the things that a lot of us uh, uh, miniature painters who are, are in the process of learning more and more know about you is the whole fuck smoothness uh, movement. Um, mm -hmm. Can can you talk a little bit about how what what prompted you to kind of go down that path of like kind of you know, like you said it's kind of against the traditional norms. People think oh you have to have the smoothest creamiest blend, and and your response is oh hell no right. <laughs> but 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 because I have proofs over centuries of painting canvases, mm -hmm. so it's not it's not a matter of it's not even a matter of style. It's about how close you see the canvas. That's true. Right? That's right. That's right. Uh, and, the, and the problem here is that we tend to think that the quality is behind the technical execution, considering only a good technical execution, a blending. So then you are telling me that Frazetta is not a good painter, then uh, Norman Rockwell is not a good painter, John Ser uh, Singer Sergeant is not a good painter. Soroji is not a good painter. You know what I mean? So basically, I've been teaching since 2004 or 2005. I've been giving classes. And in all my classes, and at the beginning, I was part of this uh, super smooth way of painting because I grow with that. I learned uh, on Andrea, in Andrea Miniatures. I learned from the old masters. I learned from them, you know? I have them as a reference. It doesn't mean that I don't like smoothness. I like smoothness when when the piece is demanding smoothness. So uh, you, you are an average guy, your, your face cannot be super smooth because if I make a bust of you and I make you completely smooth, it is not, it's not realistic, it's not believable. No, realistic is not the right word because we don't paint realistic. Painting realistic right. would be to paint flat and, and illuminate with two lamps or with one lamp or whatever. But we try to be believable, right? depending on the style that you want to represent. If you're painting something cartoonish, then being super smooth makes sense because it, it goes with the style. But if you're painting something uh, grimy or creepy or you're painting something realistic that is in a battlefield, can you imagine uh, an orc that have slaughtered a hundred dwarves in the battlefield that he will be completely smooth and clean? That makes <laughs> sense. It makes nonsense. When you say this right. in the classes, and I have checked this with more than a thousand students over the last 10, 10 years or for 15 years. Um, and they laugh, they laugh like, yeah, you're right, like obvious, well, and then why when you go to paint, you have this idea that everything should be perfectly blended because some gods of the painting world told you and they wrote it in, in some uh, stones that will be sacred stones. That is bullshit, this is art. And art always, always breaks boundaries to divide in different branches, to divide in different styles. So then, if the style that you like, it's based on perfect blendings, good for you. But you cannot force all the world to paint in the same way, telling them by sort of official channels like contests, telling them that, well, the only way to paint something good is to paint something blended. Because I tell you something, I've been, I have judged almost all the contests in the world. Golden Demons, a Crystal Brush, Monte San Sabino, almost everywhere, right? And I see so many judges that they paint amazingly well, but that they have no idea about judging because judging is not a personal point of view. Judging has to be open-minded to understand 
that if that guy is doing something expressive based on expression and based on a impressionism brushstroke, for example, you cannot demand him to blend everything because it goes against the style. It's like if I try to do a Frank Miller style that is almost like almost like color blocks or well or black and white blocks, almost like cell shading, and then I blend this. If I blend this, I lose the style. So it makes no sense. I'm not against smoothness. I'm against being so uh, close mind. I don't know how you call this in, in yeah. slang, but we call it cabezadura, which means hard head. Which is a guy that, that cannot absorb anything else than what he has been reading for the last 30 years. What is the problem? That we belong to a, to a small art field that is being developed right now, that at the beginning, the technical aspect had to be conquered. So that technical aspect was already the goal to make something perfectly blended was something that only a few people in the world, maybe 50, could achieve. But actually, this can be done by 100,000. So now what is what makes the difference? It's not the perfect blending anymore. This is like, if you compare the, any art field can be compared with his older brother. Uh, tell me if you don't follow my speech and I try to explain it. No, I'm name. following, I'm following, yeah. If we, if we compare our paint uh, journey uh, the development of the miniature painting to uh, regular painting, like canvases, if we compare it, you can see that the steps are exactly the same. When they started in the Middle Age to paint all the figures, if you see Middle Age canvases, they were like straight, you know, no movement, no naturality. They, they look like toys, right? right? Then in the Renaissance, they developed technical, technical skills and they get the perfect blending, which is called sfumato. If you want to be a painter, you need to know a little bit about your story because otherwise you are just a colorizer. You're not a painter. A painter has to know about the roots that he belongs. So in the Renaissance, they develop some technical uh, things like certain perspectives, uh, balance. It was very important. The beauty, what was the beauty? There was a term for the beauty. The beauty has to be this nothing else. So they were close-minded because they were focused on developing their technical skills. Then it comes Baroque and Baroque says, you know what? We want drama. Why? Because we want to represent our world and our world is full of candles in very dark and obscure um, um, rooms, for example. And we want to make movements because we want to represent things that that brings the th a theatrical drama, you know? So then you have Caravaggio bringing this um, counter light, you know, like like super control. Sorry if I don't express myself with the right words. Because you're fine. Oh, you're you do you do an amazing you 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 always say that, but you always do an amazing job. <laughs> well, because, no, because you know I would like to be perfectly. I would like to speak English completely perfect as I do in Spanish because I know I express myself much better in Spanish. But well, I I do my best. So then when it comes to Baroque, then they br they bring the 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 theatrical light. And also the movement. If you see Baroque paintings, they start to be much more accurate with the anatomy and they are much more risky in terms of how they make the compositions. The compositions are a little bit unbalanced, so they are searching for movement. Why? Because they were bored of doing the same static poses for 200 years. Then it comes the Romanticism. And what it brings Romanticism? It brings the soul, saying, hey, maybe I want to create also not only drama, also nostalgic uh, subjects 
maybe historical subjects, maybe. So they return a little bit with neoclassic. They return to the technical aspect, but adding neoclassic, bring the technical aspect and romanticism brought the emotions, let's say. And when this was over, the technical side was already achieved. They already did uh, pictures that looks almost photographies. The compositions were super complex already. Perspective was, was amazing. They could represent almost anything. So nobody will say, oh, such an amazing non-metallic to a canvas painter in the 17th century or the 18th century, because that was something already accomplished many hundred uh, or, or a couple of hundred years ago, right? So then what happened that suddenly the, technic, uh, the, the science creates something called cameras, photography. And then they realize, fuck, well, they didn't uh, see how a, a new iPhone 10 take pictures, right? <laughs> so for, for them, that was high tech, right? And they say, fuck, this is the reality. So now our paintings, they, are, they cannot comp compete with that. So why are we going to paint if we can take a picture? And suddenly some crazy guys that they were insulted for years called them impressionism, impressionist as an insult, the same as some people insult me. They say, I'm not comparing myself with them, but I base my philosophy on their uh, ideas and their manifesto because what they said is, okay, we cannot capture the human figure or a landscape as perfect as a picture, but these pictures has a lack of color and they have a lack of life because life is in movement. Life is not something static. A cloud that now it's there in a, in a minute will be somewhere else. The same light that you see now, it will change uh, within the next 10 seconds. So they say, okay, what I want is to capture the emotion quickly. And for this, I need to develop some technical resources that were through brush strokes, color theory, understanding of light and shadow, contrast, and then they created a different way of art. Something that at the beginning it was not accepted and that now they are in the best galleries in the world. Why? Because they were true artists. And starting from this, the impressionism was the button that when they press it, the styles started to appear because they say, okay, now we are not attached to a, to a formula anymore. And then we, want, we can create whatever we want. And then you have expressionism, cubism, you know, uh, whatever. All the new uh, vanguards, uh, these guys were creating things. And then you can say, I like it. Well, that's your personal taste. I don't like it. Maybe you like Japanese food and me, I prefer Spanish food. This is a matter of taste. But the beauty of this world is that you can eat whatever the fuck you want because it depends just on your taste. And then you choose, you try different things and then you select an option. With this is what is happening exactly. We are following exactly the same steps, but in a shorter amount of time because we already know this. So when you see now, for example, the pieces by Arnau Lázaro or Sergio Calvo or anybody, almost anybody, you can see brushstrokes, Marmas clans. The thing is, okay, how they show their work. Some people show their work. If you know my work, you know that sometimes I show pictures so huge that you can see even the porous of the, of the, the grain of the base coat, right? If you want. Why? Because I am committed with my students. You know what I mean? And I want all the people that follows me to learn. I want them to see everything naked. 
But obviously, if you're an artist, you're going to show your work in different ways. It's not the same with a black background. It's not the same with a great background. There are different ways because some people are artists and some people are artists focused on box art. If you're an artist focused on box art, your goal is that this miniature will sell more. If you're an artist focused on yourself, which is my case, my goal is first to teach my students because I have an academy or we have an academy. And second, to please myself. And that's it. And because I like my brushstrokes, I show them. But brushstrokes are there. But they are not there now. They are there from many years ago. The problem is that uh, when I started to speak about this topic, I realized that people didn't listen because I was saying in a good mood. I was saying, guys, you know, Brastok is important. You see that, check those pictures. If you come to a weekend workshop with me, I will show you examples of many different artists, analyzing them, comparing them with classical authors. Like, look at Kirill Kanaev. This is, a, this is how you see it. How do you define it? And the student said, oh, it's super clean. No, no, it's not clean. It's not smooth. Look at that. Then I enlarge. Do you see the brush strokes? Oh my God, yes. Do they work? Yes. So he's aiming for definition, not for blending. But what happened that this was very slow. I couldn't convince, I couldn't reach as many people as I wanted. So at some point I realized after uh, a year traveling, I've been, uh, in the last years I've been traveling like a hundred days a year every year, not, not now, obviously. Right, uh, <laughs> it's a good break, right? <laughs> in, in, in all those weekend workshops, I did a demo of 90 minutes uh, with my anonymous bust. And I had them in my studio because all of them were already purchased by some students. And I always do a special box so that everybody will have their own, the, the certificate, uh, you know, so, something to, to, to present it well, you know, beautifully. And I had all, all with me, and I was with Marmas Clans. You know Marmas Clans? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of the best painters in the miniature world. Uh, he was working with me for a while in Madrid, uh, and we gathered all of them, and, and we said, fuck, I mean, they look really amazing. I mean, it's like, as a, as a, it looks like a study of different lights, different attitudes, different characters, different, so it's like, well, this is exactly what represents my philosophy, my idea, and what I want to convey, which is if you want to spend 2,000 hours blending something because this is your passion and you like to do that, do it. But maybe you have three hours a week because you have kids, job, things to do, and you only have three hours. Why don't you paint something in three hours that could be also interesting? So I wanted to demonstrate in a contest that something could be beautifully painted, something could be interesting enough without being finished as they understand finishing. Because they, these people that criticize the finishing, that they say, oh, this is nice, it's like they're thinking, they're, they're saying, oh, this bust is amazing. They think for themselves, this is amazing, I really love the effect, I really love the light, but I will give, give him nothing because it's not perfectly blended. It's like, what the fuck, mate? It's like, this is art. It's like if you go to a museum, you see a canvas, you just feel the experience and that's it. You are not analyzing everything that oh this red color that is on the background of that um, skirt of, of that girl that is two centimeters oh that's not perfectly done no you feel the overall experience right so i wanted to prove this and i brought this to monte san sabino and when when we were doing the comp i was doing the composition and mark was giving me his ideas and i was saying you know what i don't know what title to to i don't know what, what will be the title and he told me well uh, what is this for you and I said, well, this is a way to shout very loudly, to shout, fuck the rules, 
cut the smoothness, you know, it's like this can work and this is objectively beautifully painted and well painted because the decisions of color games, contrast, brush strokes, uh, how I deal with volumes is obviously well painted. And then you can like maybe one and not the next one, but in general, as an exercise, it's something interesting that maybe will inspire some other people. But my message is as harsh as this. It's like, hey, fuck the rules. You need to know the rules to then be able to break them. But fuck the rules. Because if people think that there are always rules to, to follow, at some point they don't enjoy it because they will be painting in the same way for 50 years. And this happens a lot with my students. So then he told me, okay, so call it fuck smoothness. And I say, mm, do I dare to do it? Yes, why not? I don't give a fuck. I do it. Right? And the title, the full title was said, Fax Smoothness, a year of learning through my students or something like this, or a year of learning and teaching through the world or something like this. Because I want to make a tribute to my students as well, like saying, thank you guys, because each one of these pieces is a, a very memorable experience. I can remember each one where I painted. This is from Vancouver, this is from LA, this is from Rome, this is from Stockholm. This is, I know all of them, you know? So it was somehow a tribute. But what happened? That people, they say, oh, fuck smoothness, that's it. They took it in the wrong way. The problem, and to summarize, sorry for this, but you have asked about a very deep... Uh, no, keep going. <laughs> which is all written in, my, in a manifesto in my book, uh, produced by Scale 75, much better explained. Uh, but to summarize, it was, well, when you realize that the people that gets offended by the word fuck smoothness, we are all the same, brother, all the same. Then you can be slightly different to the other, but we consume violence. We consume porn. We see a movie where they say, hey, you motherfucker, fuck you. I shot you in, your head, in the head. You see, uh, you listen to music with your, with your young kids, like Anaconda by Nicki Minaj, which is speaking obviously about big cocks. So how can you be so much offended because an artist or an artisan or however you want to call me said at some point, hey guys, this is my idea, my philosophy. If you like it, follow it. If you don't like it, don't follow it. It's as simple as this. If I don't like uh, Eminem, I don't listen to him. But I respect that he is there and I value that he is there because the option of listening to Eminem or Kanye West or Snoop Dogg or Mozart, it's what makes me have enjoyment because I can decide. And that's the key, freedom. We have so many limitations in our day, uh, day by day that to add more limitation to our hobby, because at least to me is my profession. So I could have certain limitation in terms of, you know, like pleasing my clients to a point, which I don't follow sincerely because I, have, I want to please myself. And I know that when I please myself, the client probably will be satisfied because the client that contacted me wants my vision, not, not just a wood painted model. But well, anyway, I think that a professional could be uh, limited by certain boundaries to a point. But if it's your hobby, brother, it's like, come on. If this is like if someone gives you a book of how do you have to have sex with your wife? These are the rules. Come on, brother. It's like, that makes no sense at all. It's like, this is a personal choice for a personal movement of a personal enjoyment. So this is, this is basically the Faxes movement, which it was not the goal to create the movement, but no matter how much it hurts many haters, because I am 
I am lucky to have so more haters than anybody else in the miniature world, probably. Uh, also many, many, many good followers as well. But no matter how they feel hurt, this has became a, a movement to a point. And the biggest complaint they say is, because some of them told me, like, yeah, but when you do Fox Buddhas, it's okay, because what you do is beautiful. But some people hide their lack of techniques or their lack of technical skills under this hashtag. And it's like, this, is this my problem? No. No? It's like, you can, you can play some music, right? Like hip-hop music, and some people dance it well, so it's a pleasure for the eyes, and some people dance like, like I don't know, like, like chickens. But, but will, will I criticize this? This is a personal choice. It's like, you cannot blame me because some other people hide their technical skills and why they do it. What was the problem? What happened? That everybody has to paint the perfect blending, otherwise they will, be, they will go to hell or something? It's like, what the fuck? This is, this is a hobby, this is enjoyment. So anything that is related with enjoyment has to be directly related with freedom. Otherwise, otherwise it's not true. Make, I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It's it, clear it, as water. And I, I have to tell you what, what it did for me and it, was, and it actually like we had talked a little bit about before, it took a little while for it to kind of sink in after taking a class with you. But um, for me, that movement is an access thing. Like it means that I don't have to worry about that smooth. I can't necessarily achieve that smooth blend, but I still have something to say in my art. Like okay. even though I have brush strokes, even though it's not necessarily smooth, that's okay. I can access a beautiful piece of work from me, you know, and that's exactly. what. And also because these guys who are the standard beater of the smoothness, because these are the rules of miniature painting, which they are just like, to me, they are small heads. It's my opinion, probably. I will be for them a super stupid, arrogant guy. Probably I am. Um, and handsome as well. But the point of this, obviously I'm joking. <laughs> but the point of this is that these guys that are like holding the, the beard, you know, holding the, I say the, um, the flag, you know, of miniatures, what they are doing is pushing new people out of the world. Because 20 years ago, when you painted not very good, you were accepted because the, the, the top levels, there were 50 people in the world. You only see them in, in, in magazines. You didn't have access to them. So that means that the access in your local store or in your local community, it was quite simple. Why? Because nobody else painted well. But now, in, on Instagram, in three clicks, you will see at least 10 Space Marines painted perfectly well probably in the same way. You cannot differentiate one from the other. <laughs> but, all of, but all of them are fantastic. So what happened that a new guy that comes brand new to the, to the miniature world, fuck, if I don't paint like this in two months, it means that I am completely shit. And this is wrong because we are scaring them while what we have to do is welcoming them. We need to tell them, me, maybe as a visible, uh, one of the visible people, of the miniature world, I tell them, guys, paint as you want. Learn as much as you can from the people that you like, that nowadays is super accessible because almost everybody has a Patreon or almost everybody has video tutorials or magazines or whatever. And then get the biggest tool set that you can and then do the fuck you want. 
because this is what matters, that you will enjoy, not me as a viewer, instead of you. We live in a society that we are all driven by the same bullshit, which is how many likes do I have? And this affects us all in, in different uh, levels, but it affects us. It, it affects to me sometimes that I upload something that I know that is my biggest level, that, and that means a really high level, and that it has 600 likes, and then I see another Space Marine painted in the same way, like 100,000 more Space Marines, and it has uh, 10,000 likes. What do you think, that it doesn't frustrate me? Obviously it, it frustrates me, but I need to understand that this is not related with anything else than how social media works. Social media, uh, you call it social media, we call it redes sociales. In Spanish, redes sociales means social net, and a net is something to catch fishes right. and, don't, and don't let them go, right? So the thing is, if we analyze that the enjoyment of the hobby is in our room with our brushes and not in social media, we will be more free and we will enjoy more. And probably people will fly more far away and faster because the problem nowadays is that most of the people spend more time bitching and speaking and saying bullshit in social media rather than painting while you can listen to this beautiful podcast maybe when there is someone less boring than me uh put it on the background and, and paint three or four hours do that you know enjoy your life and that's it this is fuck smoothness i don't know if this is a, a good uh explanation or not but no, it's perfect. It, it, it's perfect. And actually, you even summarized uh, when Dan and I decided to do the podcast, one of the things we wanted to do was provide people with something to listen to while they painted. Because, you know, it's hard to watch a YouTube video and paint. And watch. I know personally me, if you put TV on and I'm trying to paint, I don't get anything done painting. You get distracted, probably. I get, I get distracted. But I listen to podcasts and books and stuff like that, or I'll turn the, uh, the video off. So, no, that's you actually kind of hit right on the goal uh, of what the podcast is. Now, so kind of a little bit of a, a detour in course, but I wanted to talk to you um, a little bit about color theory. And um, the first kind of, I, I, I'm going to be very specific in my question. So we hear a lot when a lot of great teachers are out there and they talk about when you do um, highlighting, go warm highlights, cold shadows, and then they talk about harmonizing the miniature. And so one of the things I've always struggled with is that when uh, I've got the concept of contrast down with kind of, you know, like cold versus uh, cold versus warm creates that contrast. Um, but when you're using kind of the doing that method of like cold shadows and warm highlights on everything, I, I'm, maybe my best way to ask this is that, can you talk a little bit about how to harmonize for contrast? Am I making sense of what I'm asking? I think so, I think so. Well, I mean, the, the most disappointing uh, answer I will give you in this uh, talk, because uh, there is not one way to harmonize. There are multiple ways to harmonize, and it depends on so many factors. When we simplify things to the point that you say, highlights should be warm, uh, shadows should be uh, cold. Well, sometimes I can prove you with a lot of canvases. I can even now search for something and send it to you where probably it will be the opposite. M many times I warm the shadow and I cold the, the light. Why not? It's all about contrast. Contrast is the way our eyes understand definition. It's the way we perceive things. If you don't have contrast, you don't have definition and you lose uh, information, let's say. 
when you are in a, in a room where there is too much light, you are flushed and you feel uncomfortable and you don't see enough. When you're in a room that is purely dark, you know, no light at all, you don't see anything. So in between, this is the grayscale value, right? The flashiest is white, the darkest is black. Simple, right? And this is called value, and this is called brightness. All these intermediate uh, grades of gray, right, are related with colors as well. So each color has its own value, but also each color has its own temperature, but also each color, it has its own saturation. And also each color, it has its own vibrancy depending on the pigment. It's not the same, the, the same exact tone in watercolor than in, uh, in oil, than in acrylic. In, inside of acrylic, it's not the same an ink from Scale 75 than an ink from Dowler Roni or Aero Color or the density matters. So there are so many factors that could create contrast. Indeed, in my color theory class that I don't uh, do anymore since a year ago, and I've been touring through the world doing this class for, I don't know, 10 years probably, and reaching, I don't know, like 17 countries, 30 cities, a lot, right? And one of the main uh, or most important elements of this class is to make the people understand through the most simplistic way, starting with the basic colors and how they interact between themselves and through a kind of storytelling uh, showing them how the colors play among themselves, which are the features to take into account. Like if you are taking ingredients for cooking, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, right? At the end, when you speak about composition, how to harmonize or how to contrast, which is a different thing, right? Because you can create a good composition by creating a big contrast, or you can create a good composition by harmonizing. Harmonizing will be, for example, um, uh, let me find a, a good example. For example, my Mignola creates harmonization through desaturated colors. All the colors are desaturated somehow. So that means that they can focus uh, the attention through the red because all the red will be mute colors like browns, grays, all very pastel, for example. You know, it's just an example, right? right. While then you can have completely the opposite. You can have something like super flashy with contrast of colors, contrast of temperature. So there is not one way, it's like cooking. When you, uh, when you choose ingredients, you need to know how this ingredient tastes in different shapes, like lemon. Lemon is not the same if you squeeze it on a soup than if you take it directly on your tongue. It's not the same if you lick it than if you chew it. It doesn't taste the same. So those nuances are applicable to colors. The same is exactly the same, right? The more you learn, the more you, under, the more you understand about the personality of the families that uh, set up the, the color wheel, and then considering that color theory is just a theory, because then I know that there are many people that, oh, that's not true because the color theory that I've read in that book, brother, there are several color theories. Depending on different artists, depending on different fields, there are scientific color, uh, color wheels, there are artistic color wheels, there are optic color wheels, there are many different ways to understand. Some, uh, col some uh, color theories understand that there are three primaries, some others they say there are six primaries, I've heard about eight primaries. Uh, some people 
uh, understand it as all of them are full saturated. Some of them understand that saturation is only the primaries because an orange or a green or a purple is made out of two colors, so it cannot be fully saturated because it's already mixed. So these are theories, and theories are there to play with them. So the problem is that there are no rules about this, and that's the reason why painting is complex, because you can know a lot of a, a lot about painting, but the more you know, the more you know that you don't know nothing. Make sense? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and, that's the, and that's the reason why I cannot tell you this is the way to harmonize, because it will depend on, does it have background? No. Yes. Does it have terrain? No. Yes. Do you want to achieve a certain ambience? No. Yes. Uh, do you want to focalize in certain parts of the figure? No, yes. Do you want a high contrast or not? Do you want a specific style or not? Uh, are you going to place this near to another figure that will absorb the attention? Because imagine that you create something super uh, well balanced and everything is, which happens a lot in, in, in historical painting, for example, that when you see, the, in Monte, you go to Monte San Savino one day, if you go to Monte San Savino, I invite you to a beer. And we speak about this, okay? Excellent. So we, we will go together in the, <laughs> the venue, and you see the side of the painting, the fantasy painters, right? And and everything is like explosive, like boom, bam, boom, colors, you know, contrast, you know, a, a little bit random, I will say, you know, because it's all mixed. Then you see the side of the historical painters, which I love historical style. I love it because I've I've grown with it. This is not a bad criticism. This is just a fact, and everything looks gray, field gray, brown, uh, Oxford blue, brown, gray, brown, brown gray, pastel. And, and they say, oh, uh, historical uh, painting style, uh, it's all about ambience. Obviously, it's super easy to create ambience with the saturated colors because all the pastel colors have something in common. They belong to the same family, which is they have a lack of intensity or lack of saturation. All the tertiary tones, like flesh tones, uh, browns, all the tertiary tones, even more if they are pastelized, so it means they have been added with a little bit of white, gray, or black, right? All these colors have lost their main essence. So it's easy to harmonize. So, so something simple. Do you want to harmonize something? Okay, paint with tertiary tones. Easy. <laughs> easy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Will, will this be... Will this be the most impressive paint job could be the more subtle, maybe. Could be the most beautiful for your eyes, maybe. But will be super impressive? No. And here is when it comes the observation. Because it has happened to me that some people told me, oh, but um, a guy one day was challenging me and, and telling me, oh, but Caravaggio will never paint with neon colors. Well, Caravaggio didn't live in Tokyo 2020. Right. <laughs> right. But because probably if Caravaggio was Japanese in 2020, he will be listening to K-pop and he will be surrounded by neon lights fucking everywhere. So yep. it all depends on what do you want to represent, obviously. Right. And that's the reason why same uh, boundaries to me, and I know that this is not easy to sell. So in terms of business, I'm doing wrong. Because to me, it will be much easier to be a little bit goofy and say, hey, guys, come to my academy and you will le learn how to be the best painter in the world in three steps, blah, 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 right? <laughs> but this is not true. My, my concept is, guys, maybe you don't like me, but I'm a, I'm a good teacher, I promise you. I know what I'm talking about. In the academy, we're explaining 
And this is not an advert, this is a fact. In the academy, we're explaining all the different tools, all the different resources, color theory, composition, techniques, materials, different teachers, Roman Lapat, Marmas Clans, David Arroba, David Basilis, myself, more people that will came, different styles, historical, fantasy, cartoon, uh, different scales, bust, 75, 54. So when you have all this material, then you can choose which things you are ready to learn, which things you don't want, or, or if you want to learn about everything. And when you learn about everything and your uh, learning experience is wider, then you will be more accomplished and suddenly you will understand things without uh, being too rational, you know, without reading a formula. You know what I mean? Because right. this is not about formulas. This is about knowing certain fundamentals, playing with them, experimenting what happened. And when you know what happened, you can guess what will happen in the future and you can confront the possible mistakes. But something uh, uh, very, uh, is like a key for, for me as a teacher is that guys, I live through mistakes. My artworks are based on mistakes because I paint in a way that I am fearless. If I can inspire you to be fearless by giving you enough tools and resources, you will realize that, that sometimes a mistake can lead you towards a better point. You know, and you can discover a nice texture or a nice brushstroke or a nice color. Or a... While if people ask me many times about recipes, I tell them, I, I could tell you a recipe, but this is not teaching. This is copying. And I create my colors, you know, and if you learn how to create your colors, then at some point you can return to recipes if you want. Now, actually, I'm painting with recipes for the last six months. Why? Because I have returned to box art and I need to speed up my process. You know, because I cannot be doing super complex flesh tones when I need to paint something in five days because otherwise it's not profitable. Okay, so then I move to, to recipes. But if something goes wrong, I need, I know what to do because I know the fundamentals. I know how to play with colors. So suddenly if I see that something is being not alive in a flesh tone, I know which red will be applied or which orange, in which shape it will be a flat color it will be a matte flat color like Reaper or Scale 75. No, you know what? I need something more vibrant. Could I take an ink? Yes, but I need an ink that will not overcome the, the, the mixture and make it super saturated. So, okay, I discard Dowleroni, Aerocolor, Schminke, and I will go for Scale 75 or Nocturna. Or what. You know what I mean? That, that's the point. Knowing your tools will make you a better painter. Right. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's... Um, the motto of our podcast is better, braver, happier. Um, and so we want, we're, our goal is to help encourage people to be better, braver, and happier painters. Um, Good one. When you transition from, because I, I know when I got back into the hobby, my intent was to go into gaming. And then I, took, I went to the Nova Open for the first time like five years ago and took one class, one blending class by uh, Caleb Weisenbach from CK Studios. Mm -hmm. I was hooked. Now, now I wanted to paint. I, I did, to hell with gaming, I wanted to paint. Um, so for people who want to kind of take that next step from just being a good painter, a good tabletop painter, to start getting into the more artistic craft, um, are there any suggestions that you have for them, that, like what kind of path they should follow or uh, where they should look? To, to me, uh, there's something like uh, um, 
I don't I, I don't know what's the word for like a, like a key uh, to say that something is a key or something is an important. Uh, there is is there a word for this in, in America? A key key is good. Yeah, like something that important key. Yeah. Uh -huh. So to me, an important key is to move to larger scales. Okay. As simple as it is, and and get rid of the airbrush. Oh, get rid of the air. Nice. Okay. Yeah, because 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 people that comes from um, indeed that happened. Uh, you said Caleb Wiesenbach, right? So Caleb was a student of mine many years ago in San Francisco, probably. I I, I still don't remember. And obviously, people who came from uh, War Game Inside and that they already have a really good level, which is his case, especially him that controls really well the airbrush. They rely a lot on this because they are used to search for a specific finish. Right. Right. When you have to confront the same models over and over again, it's very difficult to make a step for uh, a step out of the circle. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to challenge yourself because you already know what to do to make something look beautiful as he does. The thing is, if suddenly I bring you a big bust of Pegaso models or Nuts Planet, where you have a big surface, and I tell you, you cannot solve this with airbrush because the airbrush will leave, no matter how good you are, they will always leave this feeling of something too soft that looks unnatural, that could, be look, uh, could, could look perfect to your eye if, if this is your, your taste, good enough, but it's not realistic. It's like our face, we have veins, freckles, failures, cracks, uh, I don't know, blisters, uh, hair, whatever, like little microtones, that's a reality. I mean, unless you are doing a filter on Instagram to, uh, to make you look sexier than anybody else, which is how we live nowadays, unfortunately. I, I like natural things. Um, you know, if you want to translate this into a bust where there is no supportive elements, because when you paint Wargaming, the miniatures are so small, then you must focus on details. You cannot do anything else because you need to be clean to be sharp. Why? Because the noise is already on the figure. The noise is on the figure by the big amount of small elements that set up the figure, right? When you move to larger scales and you paint a Tyrion Lannister or a whatever, you know, or a Viking, Lagertha from Vikings, from Nuts Planet, which is this size is about by hand, of big, uh, you have no supportive elements. You have a flat surface that is the shield. You have a surface that is full of micro volumes like the face, but you cannot hide this lack of noise. If you make it completely perfectly smooth, it will look like plastic. It will look like a toy. So then you have to force yourself to, to search for your brush stroke. Any people who wants to move forward to learn different styles or to move to, um, I say like showcase pieces that normally are bigger, they have to discover their brush stroke. Because then, if you are already good painting wargaming figures, you will already control to be smooth. The technical aspect to define little details, you already control that, right? So then, is adding some other uh, tools to your toolbox. But for this, you need to get out of your comfort zone, basically. And find, you know, the, this idea of the blank canvas. This happens to me. It's like, I've done illustration, right? 
when I do uh, digital illustration, I'm not a professional, but you know, I have skills, I do it decently. Um, and when I compare myself to, to professionals, to, to the people who lives out of this every day, I realize that my issue is not a, a problem of lack of knowledge. I know where light goes, I know how to interpret the volume, I know how to create, I know these things because I have studied them, I have direct people like them, and I have done this in my own field. But the problem is that I am confronting a blank canvas that is not what I'm used to. So I feel lost. When I uh, paint in digital, I overcome this problem quite easily. Why? Because I can zoom uh, out, make the canvas smaller, and paint like if it was a miniature. So then I fulfill everything with colors, with stains, like searching for shapes, and then I start to work on top of this, right? But when it comes to the physical canvas, a real one, a canvas, you know, and it happened to me recently, I felt out of myself because then I had to develop different brush strokes because my brush strokes are finger brush strokes, are wrist uh, movements, are, you know, the more a little bit of the arm and elbow. But when you are a canvas painter and you paint big, your movement is the full, almost the full body, or like if you were uh, using a sword, right? Right. <laughs> so so what, what's the key here? That to, to, to get used to a larger scale, you have to force yourself to develop different brush strokes. And as soon as you solve this problem and you discover those brush strokes where you start feeling comfortable of how you move, how you create shapes, how you drag the paint, how it moves, the flow it has, what is the viscosity you need, uh, all these things, when you uh, accomplish this initial goal, then suddenly this tool is inside your tool set already, forever. Perfect. Yeah, that's all. I, that's I, I speak about, so excuse, this is my biggest, sorry for that, I speak about. <laughs> No, that's okay. No, please. That's my whole goal is to give a, 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 more so than asking questions is to create prompts for you to talk because they're not listening. People aren't going to tune in to listen to me. They're going to tune in to listen to you. <laughs> well, I, I, I apologize just in case some people said you can, you can, you know that you can probably have a button where you can uh, hear my voice in fast forward, you know, like, <laughs> and then it's maybe easier anyway. So, um, with all that being said, uh, I, I, uh, I really appreciate your time with us today. I wanted to kind of wrap it up with, you know, like I said before, our motto is better, braver, happier. Is there any final bit of advice that you could give our, our listeners as they continue down this journey? Well, I think that the, the main word will be enjoy as you wish, you know, share, uh, create community, and I think that we need all to be aware that we belong to a weak community that is growing, uh, thankfully is growing, but that if you are in love with this miniature world, if you're passionate about this as you are, I am, because otherwise I wouldn't be painting and explaining and you wouldn't be doing a podcast and painting. Right. And, you know, so we are all passionate about that. And, this is very important to keep the passion, you know, and to spread and to share this passion to infect some people. In, in the times of coronavirus where everything is fucked up and we are all isolated and this, this, this sucks, you know, because I am missing so much uh, my, my, my travels, my trips. Like this year I've lost a, a, a whole tour in the US. Uh, 
apart from the financial problem, which is which is, is huge for me, obviously, but is the experience. You know, like every year I used to go to the U.S. I used to visit new cities, new people, uh, meet hundreds of students, and that was a, a, an amazing energy exchange where you teach, but also you learn a lot. I learned a lot. I, I think I think that sincerely, these trips, all the trips, but especially to the U.S. because I have a kind of very personal connection to the country. I think that the personality of the country is so savage to a point, you know, so contrasted that you have the most technological and the most refined places, but also the wi- the wildest ones, you know, it's, a, it's true. I mean, the, the yeah. U.S. Yeah. Is, a, is a country of contrast, right? Uh, and I'm missing this so much. And reflecting about these hard times, staying at home, I'm thinking, Brother, what I miss the most is this, is sharing, is the community. What I miss the most is the conversations with the beer in Adepticon, uh, meeting new friends, seeing new pieces, getting surprised by people that I've never seen in my life. Uh, And I think that we really need to focalize on making this community better, which is not about licking arses, it's not about being politically correct necessarily, sometimes yes. Obviously, if, I, if you invite me to your home with your wife, I will not be swearing. Uh, but here is a podcast about uh, talking with me, so I, I need to be completely natural, I think. Sorry if I swear at some point. Excuse You're me. fine. You're fine. <laughs> you, know what, you know what happened? That in, in the U.S., people are very sensitive about that. Indeed, one day, a guy left uh, the class in Adepticon. So if this guy is listening, I'm sorry for that. Uh, but well, I'm not very sorry, but I, I'm sorry, I apologize. But in Spain, it's very, in Spain, this is the way of speaking. It's, it's like, we swear a lot. It's, it's, uh, it's cultural, you know? So when you translate, because I, I am translating what, I, what I, I am thinking, if I do this fast, you know, it's impossible to me to be 100% accurate in how I explain myself. Because I will use the instant words that comes to my mind. Like if I was explaining with a friend in in Spanish, you know? So that's the problem. But summarizing, guys, enjoy more, and enjoying more is related with growing the community, sharing the love and passion for this hobby, supporting the good product, supporting the people that are making an effort, not earning a penny, creating podcasts, creating YouTube channels, artists that you like, that, that, that they are struggling to live doing this, support them, give them love, uh, learn, you know, uh, listen, you know, open your mind, try different styles, be diverse. Diversity is the key of the world. We need to understand that the evolution is based on diversity. There's nothing else. Otherwise, we will be stuck in the middle age, right? So I think that if people uh, take this attitude, the miniature world will grow a lot because it's full of amazing artists that they have a, an empty field to grow because there is still a lot of things to do. You know, we have already reached the technical aspect. This is, I wouldn't say accomplished completely, but I would say like a 90%. Uh, but now it's about styles, developing styles. And the next one will be developing emotions. And the next one, guys, will be being in museums. And I truly believe on this. So I think that if we all uh, do a little bit by our side, uh, we will all grow together. And to me, this is beautiful. So I hope that some people get inspired by this. Thank you so much for being here with us. And we'll put uh, 
the link to the Academy on Patreon and your Instagram and Facebook. We'll put all of that on our show notes and such and make sure that people have access to you. I will share also in my social media. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that you wanted to spend some time with me, especially because I know that I am uh, sometimes I could look conflictual that maybe I'm not the trendiest guy in the world. So giving me a space to express myself is a, uh, is a honor to me. Uh, thank you for your patience for listening. Dan and I would like to thank Banshee for joining us today. It was an honor and a privilege to have the conversation with him and just scratch the surface of his incredible creative mind. You can continue learning from Banshee on his Patreon at Banshee's Miniature Art Academy, as well as following them on Facebook and on Instagram. You can also check out his book published by Scale75 called Banshee, A Colorful Mind. We really appreciate you taking the time to share your painting journey with us. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube at Listening to Paint Drive with Mike and Dan. Drop us an email at listeningtopaintdrive at gmail.com. Please like, subscribe, or follow wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, that now includes Amazon. If you could stop and give us a positive review, that would also help our podcast get the word out. So thank you so much. We'll be back in two weeks with another genre-focused episode. So until then, don't be afraid. Explode into becoming a better, braver, happier painter. As Dan would say, see ya. Listening to Paint Dry with Mike and Dan is a production of LTPTWMD. All rights reserved. No portion of this recording may be used without the express written consent of the host. The music is Death by a Thousand Questions by Springtide. Download from the free music archive on a non-commercial attribution share alike basis. All views and opinions expressed in the show are solely the views and opinions of the person who said them. All celebrity voices, if any, were impersonated and done so poorly.